Welcome to episode 18 of the Gen X Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Mario Piper, and I'm happy that you're joining me tonight. Um, this is my once a month podcast. I'm a little late. The first of month kind of first of the month kind of snuck up on me, and I had a little bit of a an issue coming up that I had to attend to. Um, so, anyways, I uh, won't go into detail. Just you know, modern life and hackers and people that want to steal things from you online. So that's what I had to deal with on the first of the month. Anyways, anyways, and besides that, I uh, hope you all are well. Um, vaccinations coming out soon and hopefully we'll all, uh, you know, take it seriously. I know I definitely want to travel out west and um, lay my mom to rest. And in the meantime, um, photograph along the way. Um, thinking about that, um, you know, traveling with with film, I'm I'm still kind of nervous about it traveling by air. I know I uh, listened to the uh, Studio C14 podcast. It was a one from a couple years ago about traveling uh, by air with film with the new CT scanners. Um, I generally don't shoot high-speed film, so it shouldn't be a problem. Uh, and when I go out west, I'm going to either be doing Gold 200, which I love, or Ektar 100, or possibly some of my 2254, but also I'd kind of like to try some expired film, and I'm not sure how that's going to work uh, with the CT scanners. So I've got a couple of op- options. Either I, uh, you know, fly by air and then take a chance and talk to the, you know, the TSA people at the at the airport and just say I'd like a hand check and see how that goes. Um, and if if I do that and it works out successfully or unsuccessfully, report back and let let people out there know my experience with it. Or do something I've wanted to do for a long time, even though I love traveling by air. Uh, travel by train. Go out and go out, go out on Amtrak, and uh, see the countryside from a different viewpoint. You know, not on the road, not from the air, but by train. It might be a little bit longer, but I think the. You know, I don't think that. Uh, well, I don't know. I've never traveled by train, so we'll see. I'll have to do some research, but anyways. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah, there's a lot of places out west that are that are beautiful, real beautiful, and uh, it, you know, well worth uh, photographing. Um, and of course, my my homeland, uh, Kansas, it's uh, it's got its own beauty. A lot of people don't <laughs> recognize it, but. Um, you know, there there is a, a a great deal of beauty in the in the open sky, and the the prairies. Um, I don't know. I just it home is home. Home, I guess that's why they call it home sweet home. Or uh, there's no place like home. You know, those kind of cliche things seem to be pretty true. Um, so, anyways, I'll I'll be doing that. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, a conversation I had with a teacher. It was right after the insurrection on the Capitol. Uh, you know, that was a that was a pretty dark day for, 
for the U.S. And um, the teacher was saying, because she knows I like photography, she was saying that she thought that the photographers who were, you know, taking photographs in in the Capitol during, you know, while it was happening, shouldn't have been doing that. She said that they should have been helping with the situation and that she uh, would have done that herself. And I was thinking about it later on. I was thinking, I don't know. Because it's true, you know, you might feel like you're taking advantage of a situation by photographing it. Um, And I'm sure that any one of us photographers have felt that way, uh, you know, one time or another, where we think that we're intruding upon the privacy of something, or we think that we're being spectators of something. But if you really think about it, um, the world would not know what happened if it were not for photography and also now videography. The, the world just wouldn't know what's what's taking place. People wouldn't know what's taking place around the world without the advent of photography, videography, you know, noting it down. And photography is a wonderful uh, way to capture current events. And so in my mind, uh, the person doing the photography in that instance at the Capitol or, you know, other other uh, events, they're able to tell a story, put it in context, and kind of inform the public about what's happening. And that gives us in the public a better understanding. Uh, it helps us to make wiser decisions, perhaps, or get, you know, just helps us to be aware of our fellow humans. I think that's, that's important. So I, I, I strongly uh, feel that photography is, is a wonderful way of documenting uh, history. Now, not, of course, not all photographs document history in a grand way. My, my photographs are uh, far from from that status. I, I photograph the things that I like, and that's just it. But uh, those that are assigned or have the job of the profession of, you know, being the photographer for, you know, news organizations or whatever, it's a, a valuable, valuable uh, occupation, in my opinion. Well, moving on from that, um, I decided that I'm going to do something with my photography. Uh, (laughs) So I started off with uh, color photography. I started off, my first rolls that I shot were actually ectochrome, but I didn't develop those at home. The first rolls that I shot and developed myself were Kodak 2254, the uh, super low ISO film. And um, I've grown accustomed to C41 uh, developing. It's, it, you know, it's, it's not that difficult for me. Um, I find it enjoyable. I usually get decent results. Um, not always, and I'll get into that in just a minute. But usually I get pretty, you know, decent results. Um, and like I said in an earlier podcast, I do do some editing um, that's just, you know, my workload, but, um, yeah, color, color negative film, I seem to be okay with. I'm going to pause here for just a minute and then I'll be right back. Okay, I'm back. I have a wood stove and, um, 
when we have our you know when we bring in wood you know for the the stove a lot of times it's wet because it's under the snow and uh so i have to put the wood on on top of the stove to kind of dry it out a little bit more but uh, i smelled a little bit of smoke so i took off the <laughs> took off the wood anyways um so back to uh my decision about a certain kind of film so color negative film is it's i don't want to say it's easy that's a bit haughty but it's not too difficult for me i i understand it i've done it enough and it it seems to be uh you know relatively simple uh, relatively simple process for me um now i haven't run into <laughs> the the conundrum of or you know the situation where i go to develop and the developer is is shot or you know expired used too much i haven't run into that yet i'm sure i will as time goes on but there's a kind of film that i just can't seem to get consistent results with and that is black and white film so when i first started shooting black and white i bought i think two rolls of tmax uh 400 i believe and i shot it i developed it in cafenol and the results that i got weren't that great but you know i it was my they were my first couple of rolls i i i don't i'm not too worried about them um black and white and color developing are are quite a bit different well i decided to get an actual developer a you know an actual pre-made uh developer so I got HC110 uh the syrup and I've been developing with that well some rolls that I develop come out really good like I I've, I've developed a couple of rolls of the Kentmere 100 uh Kentmere Pan 100 and that they seem to react well with HC110 Triax 400 doesn't seem to um I've had uh other uh films that I've developed with uh you know in black and white 2238 2237 sometimes 2238 has turned out well sometimes it hasn't so it, what I'm dealing with a lot of times is uh I don't know if it's bromide drag or or something but I I follow the inversion techniques on the massive dev chart where you you know you invert it basically four times a minute and then let it rest i follow the dev chart implicitly and uh i just can't seem to get decent decent results consistently so i've decided that i'm going to toy with the idea at least of sending my black and white uh film out Um I haven't firmly decided that yet. I'm going to try to do a little bit more research because I know more there are plenty of people that are very successful with developing black and white at home. I just haven't gotten the hang of it. Um it could be that I should try stand developing at a colder temperature. We'll see though. Um but yeah, black and white developing it's kind of a kind of a difficult challenge for me. So any of you listening out there if you if you're successful developing black and white um if you can email me uh at genexphotogpod@gmail.com um 
that would be great. Um, and again, the, the kind of developer that I have is HC110, and I do follow the massive dev chart. A lot of times it's dilution B for whatever or whatever film I'm using. Um, are there other developers that you guys recommend? Um, is there a, a recipe for caffeinol that you guys recommend that is, you know, decently good for developing black and white film? And how do you guys develop... Uh, really expired black and white film because I tell you I've moving on to my next section I I this month have acquired 20 rolls of expired film from various surface uh, places eBay and Etsy in particular um, one roll is uh, Kodak uh, plus X I believe I can't quite remember but um, anyways, it's a Kodak film. And then I've gotten a couple of other films that are uh, from Etsy that are really, really expired. They're really obscure, uh, strange black and white films. Um, I posted it on the uh, uh, Negative Positives Facebook page. Um, and I've gotten some, uh, some suggestions, but... Um, Developing black and white films. What what do you guys uh, what do you guys think? How do you guys do it? Give me some suggestions. GenXPhotogPod at gmail.com. Um, some of the other films that I've gotten that are expired, I'm really really excited about. Um, I've gotten some Kodacolor two, expired in the seventies or eighties. I think the eighties. Uh, I've got. Kodacolor uh, VR uh, 100, 400, and 1000. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, I've got co- uh, four rolls of the Kodacolor 2, like I said, and I've got two rolls of the Kodacolor X, expired in the 70s. I've only shot one roll of Kodacolor X in 35mm, but I tell you what, I love the results. Definitely foggy, <laughs> um, really grainy, but really wonderful, really, really wonderful. It has a very classic, well-expired look, and I just love it. I really, really love it. In addition, I got another expired roll. This expired in the in 2000, and it was freezer stored from the, at least the guy that sold it to me said, I'm really excited about this. Um, e- uh, Kodak Ektachrome EIR film. What is that? That is infrared film. Um, I'm super, super duper excited to shoot this. Of course, when I develop it, I'm not going to develop it myself. It's slide film and it's infrared film. So I'm going to have to, the way you do that is you have to load the camera and I haven't done it yet. I'm going to wait until summer, but you have to load the camera. You have to take, you have to take your camera and the film canister into a dark room has to be dark take the canister out of the take the film canister out of the the can load it into the camera in the dark and then close the back and then shoot it rating it between 1 and 400 ISO um, in bright sunlight bright sunlight is the best for uh, infrared infrared film from from what I uh, read 
Um, and then when you are finished with the roll, you wind it back into the, the canister and wind it all the way and then go into a dark place, unload it, put it into, the, into your uh, plastic you know, can, and then send it away to be developed and make sure you mark on, on the, the form that it's uh, infrared color um, colored uh, positive film. So it's perhaps a fair bit more tedious, but something I'm definitely, definitely looking forward to. Um, I'm going to start posting, I, I set up a separate Insta- Instagram account for my uh, podcast. So when I talk about, uh, say, a film that that I've shot, that I really like the results, what I'm going to do is I'm going to post some of those images on on that that account, and that way any of you any of you listening can um, can uh, take a look at, at the photos that I'm talking about and get a good idea of what I'm what I'm saying. So I'll put those in the in the show notes, um, and I believe I put it as Gen X Photog Pod, just like my email. So G E N X. P-H-O-T-O-G-P-O-D, Gen X Photog Pod, all one word, all lowercase, as my Instagram uh, handle for this podcast. So I'll be uploading some photos um, and, uh, you know, labeling them as to what they are. So anyways, well, I don't have too much more to say. We're in the you know, winter period, there's, it's hard to do photography in the winter because everything's white. Um, oh, I did, I did say I was going to do, talk about one more thing. So last month I talked about Kodak Gold, right? Kodak Gold 200, a, a favorite film of mine. I developed another role and again, it just blew me away. <laughs> uh, good colors, good, you know, decent grain and it dries flat. I don't know how much more I can say how I appreciate the fact that it dries flat again. There, I'm sure there will be a time in the future where a roll of Kodak Gold doesn't dry flat, but for me it always has. And I really love that. And that's a consumer grade film. Now, I recently went to a, a camera shop up in Burlington, Vermont. And uh, they deal with mainly classic cameras they have some digital stuff, but it's mainly classic cameras, and they sell film there. They do film developing and things like that. And so I thought, oh, I'm going to buy some film. Just try it out. Um, so I bought, uh, and actually that makes me think of another thing I want to talk about a little bit. But they, uh, I bought uh, four different rolls. I bought uh, Cinestill 50D. I've shot the Kodak Vision 350D, and it still is basically Vision Vision 3, where they just remove the remjet and then then sell it so it can be developed in C41 chemicals without having that inky black carbon stuff in the developing uh, solution. Um, so Cinestill 50D, I bought Kodak Portra 400 one roll. Wanted to try that out. I bought Kono. Um, Kono, oh, it's the red scale film. Anyways, I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's a red scale film, uh, 200 speed. Um, so we'll see how that turns out. 
And then I bought double, it was a double, double film, not, not like twice film, but D-U-B-B-L-E, like bubble, but with a D. So double film, it was uh, one of the, I think double film Pacific or something like that. So it's a, it looked interesting. I just, it's kind of on a whim. I decided to buy it. We'll see what it turns out to be. Um, well, I was eager to try out both the Cinestill and the Portra 400 because Cinestill is a, you know, a, from what I understand, a pretty good brand. And uh, right now I'm currently in the role, so we'll see what turns out. I'm on, I think, picture 23 or something like that, so I've got a few more pictures to take. But I shot the role of Portra 400. And I was excited to see what happened because a lot of people recommend Portra 400. I hear about it all the time on podcasts. I read about it on, you know, on blogs. I see it on videos. Portra 400, Portra 400. Well, I developed it, standard C41, just like I do. I was very, very careful, just like I do all the time. And... I took it out of the tank. I saw images. That's great. <laughs> it's always a good pleasure to see images. Um, shout out to Vanya, by the way. I see images. <laughs> uh, so anyways, I saw the images. I hung it up to dry. And it dried not flat. It wasn't entirely curly, but it was cupped a little bit. I'm like... Kodak Gold, the cheap, you know, consumer-grade film dries flat. Portra doesn't. Hmm, interesting. So, anyways, I, you know, had to use my A&R glass so I wouldn't get those Newton rings. And when I scanned it, it had the same amount of grain as Kodak Gold. <laughs> so I, you know, Portra's substantially more expensive. Portra 400 is substantially more expensive than Kodak Gold 200. With Kodak Gold 200, I get, you know, same amount of grain as this 400 speed film, and I can push it, I can pull it, same as you can Portra, and it dries flat. Plus it has beautiful color. So I don't think I'm gonna be shooting Portra again, not for a while at least. I, I found that Kodak Gold 200 works well for me. Um, so anyways, I just wanted to give a little bit of a, it's not really a review, I didn't review Portrait of 400, but I'll, I'll put some of the images that I uh, took. Not that they were bad, but they just, they weren't any more impressive than Gold 200. And it's, you know, more than twice the cost, so just stick with Gold 200, shoot more of it and have fun, you know? Um, but the Kono Monolith, Kodo Monolith is what I bought. Uh, interesting thing about that roll, uh, I shot it and it's in the mail now, and I'll tell you why. Um, I saw on Instagram, uh, it was a double exposed picture, and I read the description, and it was two people shooting that roll. And I thought, that's cool. So I went to the website that was tagged in the, uh, in the, in the description on the photo, and it's this... Uh, lady out in Kansas who uh, is a film photographer and she said that she likes to connect with other people in that way where you shoot a role send it to the next person and they sh 
shoot over that same roll. So basically you shoot the roll, retract it back into the canister, uh, leaving just the leader out, and then the next person gets the roll, making sure that you kind of mark where that roll starts, where the first picture starts. I put a, you know, made a little Sharpie mark where it just exited the, uh, the canister. Um, and then they shoot over your images, which is kind of cool because they don't know what you shot. They don't know the images or what, you know, the subjects that you photographed or what, por- you know, uh, orientation that you shot it at, whether it was portrait or landscape or night or day. You know, they don't, they don't know those things. So it's kind of a mystery. So I shot Kodo, Kono Monolith, the red scale film, and she shot... Uh, Kodak Pro Image 100, which is which is a, a film that I've shot before, and it's pretty good. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Uh, having double exposures that are sort of uh, shot in the dark, so to speak. <laughs> Isn't that what film photography is all about, though? But anyways. All right, I've rambled on long enough. Um, so yeah, you can follow me on Instagram at Mario Piper or on my new at my new place, uh, Gen X Photog Pod, and there you will find the photos that I talk about, again, the f- photos that I talk about in in certain episodes. Um, I'll, in From this episode, I'll include some pictures from my role of Kodak Portra. Um, I'll include some pictures that I talked about from the, the expired film, uh, Kodak uh, Kodakolor X, the ones that I said I really like. I'll, I, I'll post some of those and uh, you know I'll just continue doing that as as time uh, progresses so all right well I hope you guys have a, a good time and I'll talk to you again next month hopefully we'll be a little bit closer to spring and you know things start growing things get a little bit more beautiful and I'm gonna be shooting a lot more color film uh, got some Lomochrome purple, four rolls of that that I'm looking forward to uh, when things green up. I've got uh, the uh, infrared film when things green up and get sunny. And of course, a lot of expired film. So it'll be a, a nice summer for that. All right, I'm rambling. <laughs> we'll talk to you all later. Uh, stay happy, shoot that film, and uh, just enjoy, enjoy photography, all right? Talk to you later. Bye.